Well, hello there, and welcome to Pink Milk, your Star Wars podcast for us super fans and those normally forced to listen. However, today is someday, and someday it's still Pride. So we're talking with our friend Ben from the Katana Cast. Get ready, it's time to drink up. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Pink Milk. I'm your host, Brian. Normally, my better half and your better host, Tom, is with me. However, he is still far away on the other side of the country with my boys, and I miss them all very much. But today, I'm sitting with my friend Ben from the Katana Cast. He's also your friend because he's been to the show many times, and he's always a pleasure and wonderful and all of those things. So I can't wait for this conversation. While you are here, please head on over to Apple Podcasts if you are listening to us on an Apple device, maybe even if you're not, but give us a review over there. We would really, really appreciate it. We like getting those reviews because they make us feel good. Kind of like this one from E.G. Schilling. Love these three so much. Their deep knowledge of canon makes them an, an incredible resource. But also insight, real affection for Lucas's world, and storytelling purpose, silliness, and great company. Well, clearly, they watch After Dark, which you should too, on Friday nights on YouTube, late night live stream where we sit and talk Star Wars queerly with my friends Mark and Emma. And this upcoming Friday, at the time of this recording, we have a special announcement. So get ready for that. So the insight, all of that stuff's clearly not me. I'm there for the silliness. And some of the tears from time to time. But we do have a really, really great time over there on the live stream. And uh, we would love to see you in the Steam Room. So also head on over to YouTube and hit subscribe. Hit the bell notification. All of those things. Because we we, we do. We talk about some good stuff. We've just had uh, really great Pride episodes on there too. With some amazing guests. And um, really great conversations uh, come about had come about through a not-so-super... Um, experience that we had on our first Pride live stream, but you know, we've grown better, stronger, closer, all because of it. So head on over there and enjoy uh, what we do there. And the Steam Room is great, and there are always wonderful people. And there's, I think, some real friendships growing in that chat room. So um, it's really awesome. You know, today, um, this is going to be a really, really heavy episode, just so you know. Um, ben really, really opens up and is very honest raw and real so um there is a trigger warning here at the um about the midway point i put a break in ben gives you a heads up but we do talk about some very very sensitive things um that uh if you're not ready for them when that time comes don't listen uh, at that point come back to it when you need to but um if you are able to listen there's some really important lessons out of it and Ben's approach to dealing with some really tough stuff is just honestly really really inspiring so I'm very grateful to him I'm grateful to Leia and to The Last Jedi as we talk about a lot on this show but he, he, they bring in some amazing things for that and um, it's just really really awesome I'm really 
proud of this episode and where it goes. And I'm really, really, really proud and honored and humbled and overjoyed by my friend's vulnerability because I know I open up a lot on this podcast, so I know how hard it is. And they did it with grace and humility. And um, so I really hope all of you enjoy it and send them all the respect and love that they deserve after what they just shared. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. And it's that time. Drink up. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome back, our friend Ben. Hello, hello Ben. It's me. <laughs> Somehow he has returned. I feel like I say that every time you're on the show. <laughs> well, it's because it, there's no lead up to it, and it just happens so suddenly. There's no explanation, and then I'm gone again with no explanation. It's so weird. Who would do that? Who would do that, Brian? All right. Well, welcome, Ben. Tell us who you are if we don't already know, even though everybody knows who you are. And you have news about your podcast, right? Oh, God. Do, oh, yes, share? I do. Can we share yeah, in your yeah, host? Yeah. Yes. I, I got scared for a split second. I was like, shit, I've got news? Am I off the show? Anyway, hi, everyone. My name is I did ben. read a subtweet about something. Oh, that was probably me. I'm just I kidding. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry I want to interrupt you. Go ahead. You're Ben. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, yeah. So, I'm Ben. I am one-fourth now of the Katana Cast, which is a Star Wars podcast that celebrates the saga through our own unique certain points of view, highlighting the voices of queer, trans, black and indigenous people of color, and women in the fandom. And just recently, as of technically two episodes, although... As the time we're recording this, no one has heard these yet. I've got two episodes on back with them. But Miss B, who is also part of Sisters with Sabres and a TikTok celebrity and far cooler than I will ever be, has graciously joined our little gang of debauchery to bring some much-needed intelligence and to kind of just stare at us through the camera when we get a little bit too raunchy. So that's nice. That's that's a good addition to the chemistry. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. To Katana Cast. Mm-hmm. So if 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 people who are listening to this have not listened to Katana Cast or Sisters, mm-hmm. please do because you should because they're much better than we are. But one of the my favorite bits which I'm hoping comes back is re getting upset with Maria about Maria's crush on Ree's mom. So please, oh. like, please bring that up. Just stoke the fire a little bit, just for us listeners. I mean, so, that, Maria, can you tell me about Ree's mom? That happens. <laughs> it happens off the air. It happens before okay. the recording. It happens during the recording. Like, this, it's a running joke. So, like, okay, yes, good. that I'm makes sure, me happy. Yeah, Maria's thirst for Bee's mom will make an appearance. <laughs> I'm certain you can put it on your bingo card. There we go. All right. Can I make it the center the center square? Is that um, how bingo works? I don't know. I think. I don't know. Is Paul okay. in the center square? What's going on? Someone help me. Well, 
for this version, it's going to be the center square. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I have a question for you. Well, two questions. You've mm-hmm. answered this before, but just in case this is a listener's first time hearing you mm-hmm. here. Uh, what is your favorite Star War? And who is your favorite character? Because it says a lot about you. Both right. of these answers. Yeah. And the problem is <laughs> it says that I talk too much. Because the answer is that Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Because it's popcorn good time. Empire Strikes uh-huh. Back is my favorite Star Wars film. With The Last mm-hmm. Jedi almost tied at this point. And then my favorite character will always be Leia Organa. That's, that is my go-to. Always has been. Always will be. And then shortly underneath her, there's a little bracket. And then there's Luke and Ahsoka. I have a little pyramid. And I have to mention okay. them because I don't want them to be left out. Because they will be angry at me <laughs> inside of my head where the voices are. <laughs> no, I agree. I have to have my holy trinity. I am like a big fan of trinities anyways in life and in lots of things. Um, <laughs> we can take that how we yep, want to. Yep, it is Pride um, Month, nope, I guess, with gonna, that giggle. We're going to move right along. <laughs> we're Move along. Move along. Um, but I have a do you you don't see Leia ever being replaced? No. Or not replaced. Let's not say replaced. Let's say shared. Like No, that's her spot. She's not giving that up. Okay. I love it. Cause like I was just talking to someone and I love Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker so much. Mm-hmm. Like Ahsoka probably more than I get the older I get, like Ahsoka seems to take more of my headspace than Luke does. But then the season two came, and Luke is, like, back in my head a lot again. Season two of Mandalorian, sorry. So the last <laughs> chapter of that. Like, he's back in my head. But I never in a million years would have thought that Din Djarin would, like, climb his way to sitting on top of that, like, pyramid. Like, there's no way I would have ever anticipated that. But that man lives in my head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the it's, time. It's a great character, and it doesn't hurt that that's Pedro Pascal. No, it definitely does not 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 hurt hurt anything. (laughs) Did you watch that Variety uh, interview with him and and, and, and Ewan McGregor? Oh, no. I was like, who was it? No, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I've just kind of avoided it because I was like, "Ah, I don't feel like there's anything here that I necessarily need to hear. And I just don't know that I can can stand to look at these two beautiful people for that long without just going out and, like, breaking a mirror. (laughs) Yeah, well, I had to replace my computer because it was steaming up so bad. Like, the water, like, affected all the chips. I was like, oh, God, this is too much. This is too much. (laughs) Because uh, it is Pride Month, and Ewan McGregor, I am probably not alone in my 42-year-old gayness that Ewan McGregor was one of the people that I think I realized I was a homo um, because of of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars Insider. Like... I was like, oh, I have feelings here, and I am mm-hmm. not looking. Everyone's talking about Padme, or Queen Amidala at that point. I guess we didn't know she was Padme. But Queen Amidala, and I, who? Who is that? I mean, now that I've seen the character, I love the <laughs> character. But on those magazine covers, I was not interested. And that was like 96, so what is that? Seven, 16, 17-year-old me was like not interested in any, in any of that. It's like, oh. Uh. See, it wasn't until... Binge of the Sith, where something clicked in my head, and I was like, well, hello there. Because beforehand, there was, like, the mullet. The mullet didn't do it. And then before that, there was the even worse haircut. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know a bunch of trailer kids with that. 
Like, I've seen a rat tail. I don't care where it is. So, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith turns around, and I'm just like, oh, well, hello, Orientation. How are we doing? Uh, oh, God, that hair. My children have had that hair, especially during quarantine. <laughs> like, my Michael, I don't know. This kid's got, like, hair that I am not used to. And it just grows, like, straight out. Mm-hmm. And he looks like Anakin real quick. Like, more Anakin than Obi-Wan, but kind of like Anakin at the end. I'm like, oh, this is just, I should be, you do have a gay parent, and you have no business looking like this. (laughs) My card has been removed. I'm just going to give you a hat and an apology. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, one question I've been asking everybody for Pride Month, which, by the way, this is like, you're closing us out for Pride Month, so... Oh, Happy great. Pride Month. I hope it was good. We're scraping mm-hmm. the bottom of the barrel. No, <laughs> no, we save the best for last. I'm a big Vanessa Williams fan, so we always save the best for last. Um, what does pride mean to you, though? So it's a complicated answer. <laughs> um, I think it changes depending on where I am in my life. Uh, it mm-hmm. used to be a really big thing as like a baby queer. Because it's like, ooh, we go to the celebration, and it's this act of kind of like contrition. Because especially at the time, even though this would have been like 2008 or so, uh, it, it was still more recognized than it would have been 10 years prior. But still, like it, mm. it wasn't legalized as far as same-sex marriage, and there was still like protesters, at, at least where I lived. Uh, so it was more of like a, an act of... Uh, of aggression in a way. I mean, it felt very punk rock and I was very excited to go. And then a couple of years later, suddenly like AT&T had a float and the church down the street had a float. And then there was the radio station there and then hot dog vendors. And you're just like, Oh no, this is a fair now. And this isn't nearly as fun. Mm-hmm. And then now like as an adult sober person, there's really not a lot of pull for me to go be around a bunch of people who are drunk at 11 in the morning to be too hot and in the sun. So, not necessarily <laughs> my pull, but that's Pride yeah. Parades. Pride as a month-long celebration, as education, as ways mm-hmm. of teaching our younger queer siblings, and then even some of us who are older who maybe just didn't get that education because we lost a generation of gay men. Like that's that's important to me, and I think that that's the spirit that we need to take it in with. It is it's a month of history. It's learning. It's passing things on. It's recognizing our elders. It's helping our minorities. Like there, it is an act. Yeah. It's not a t-shirt. It's not the rainbow collection. It's not skittles that are all grayscale, and now they're all. You can't pick out the colors you like, and that sucks. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not those things. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like this last month I've spoken to a lot of people now about Pride, and I think it's changing a bit for me. Mm-hmm. Like our our friend Andy, who kicked Pride Month off for us, was talking about um, like the leather chaps and mm-hmm. and the harnesses and all that, and I completely agree with them that we shouldn't focus on that. And I realized that I had been focusing on it a little bit this last few years because we were like, how do we – at some point we need to take our ki- our kids to Pride mm-hmm. because as I, I've said before and I really believe, our children are part of the community forever and always no matter who they choose to end up with or where they find their lives just because of us. They'll mm-hmm. always be there. And I want them to see 
I think other gay people, because where we live, we don't see a lot of gay people. So I kind of want to like help normalize it as best as I can, you know? But I would like, I don't know if I want my kids seeing everyone in jock straps and leather harnesses at four, at four, six, and seven. I'm like, I think that's, I may have been you a few years ago. I do think that that's <laughs> fair. But at the same time, they're constantly yeah. hit with this heterosexual sexuality. So it's yep. like, I promise you, they're seeing beautiful women in thongs selling perfume all the time. So if there's yep. the other version of that, you can have that same conversation of being like, you know what? Adults can yep. do what they want. This is how they feel comfortable oh, yeah, and yeah. happy. That's it. It's a costume. And honestly, with kids, they're probably not going to think anything of it. So that's yeah. I, I don't want to have that whole conversation about like kink shouldn't yep. be allowed at Pride because it is really triggering to certain people. And you're like, well, here's the thing, sweetheart. I don't go to the bar because I'm an alcoholic and I find being around mm-hmm. a large amount of people drinking a little bit on the triggering side. Right. So if just the idea yep. of human sexuality puts you in an uncomfortable spot, and I do mean this in a genuine way, I don't mean this catty, but yep. maybe don't go. Like, go, don't go to places that you can't handle responsibly. Like, a place that is yep. going to bad for you, just don't do that. But what we also mm. can't do, unfortunately, is just put up, like, the, the bumper guards for everybody else and just be like, well, it might make somebody yep. feel uncomfortable. It's like, there's, there yep. are certain ranges. Like, I don't think it should be fulsome. Like you don't got to suck dick in the street, but like if 20 year olds want to wear Andrew Christian yep. underwear, like it's not my favorite thing to look at, but if they're into it, go for it, whatever you're 20 yep. wants, like just knock it out. And then if the kids are like, why are they that way? And you're like, well, here's the thing. Their daddy didn't love them. Uh, and now they're hoping that some of these daddies will, but that's okay. That's their choice. You know, I mean, it's just, it's funny because I'm like, I'm with you. I agree with everything you just said, actually. And like, I am a very sexually liberal person. Like, I think all that stuff is great. And it, But now it is this weird thing of, like, for me, this mm-hmm. is just my story of, like, how do I explain this to my kids? Because I'm also very open with my children about everything, too. And, like, I don't think there is anything wrong with running around on a float in your jockstrap. Mm-hmm. But my children are going to laugh. That's going to be their response. They're going to laugh and giggle and point. And I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, they, I, I, they, yeah. So like, but that's like where I'm like, but how does that make everybody else feel around? You know, like it's this, it is interesting. And I'm just in a different space of how do I figure this out? Because this year we would have, or 2020, we would have gone to pride. We were, we decided we're going to take our kids Mm -hmm. and then. This happened, so there was no pride, and now I've like been thinking about it again. But I like that you brought up elders too, because I think this year, above any other year, and maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm now turning into that old gay man. But like, I get very upset with some of these things that I see from younger people mm-hmm. of not understanding what came before. Or respecting, right? They'll, they say they were educated, but they don't they, like. They don't respect the the scars that might still be sitting there. So I've noticed that, and as as Pride Month is rounding out, like for me, I'm like, okay, well, what do I need to take from them? Because if I'm asking them to step over to me, I got to be able to walk over to them a little bit too, right? You know, and realize that 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 privilege is what I'll call it is what I was fighting for mm-hmm. 20 years ago. And now they have it. It's <laughs> so. like the part of equality, and obviously we're not there yet. There's a lot of work to be mm-hmm. done because, like, white people like us who are in yep. similar gendered marriages, like that, 
that that worked out well for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're doing pretty good. We can't say the same for our brothers and sisters and other siblings of like other races or our trans siblings. Mm-hmm. Like we still have a lot of work to do there. But part of getting that equality is we're making a future wherein our queer youth can be ungrateful assholes like any straight kid. Like that is what mm-hmm. it is. And so there's got to yep. be a little bit of grace on both sides with that. Uh, I don't yep. think every 16-year-old Humbler kid needs to necessarily have like the full history of the like ACT UP movement memorized. Because yep. like we don't necessarily think that everybody should have that, right? Like We don't expect straight kids to be able to tell you all about like the sex freedom movement of the, like, the 1970s, right? Yep. Uh, so it makes sense, and I, I get you as I'm leaning more on that direction as I get older mm-hmm. than I am with the young ones. But I just try to remind myself constantly, like, they they deserve to be able to find the stuff out, and you should offer information so that is available to them, so that they have the yep. opportunity when they're ready for it. But you can't necessarily force it on them, and then you can't get overly mad when they act like a, a twenty year old. Like when a twenty year old acts like a twenty year old, that's surprise. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's just it's been interesting. I, I for me, I feel there's been a lot of growth this year. Uh, with regards to pride, I think some mm-hmm. of it is I'm I guarantee you most of it is having all these conversations with different people and hearing all these different perspectives and and letting it filter down to my through my thick skull. But, um, yeah, it's been interesting. I have to say this is for me a really good pride month. I mean, I know it's not trending on Twitter anymore and, you know, like the logos disappear. It's mm-hmm. something that all of us it's a weird thing, you know, like. Every time there's movements, they're really important, but at some point, normal life comes back, mm-hmm. and it's always a weird, like, it's a it's a weird transition, you know? Um, yeah. Anyways, that's where I feel like I'm at a little bit with all of this stuff, but a lot of Pride Month is also hearing about a lot of people's coming out stories, and it's those coming out stories that help younger people understand what it was like before, mm-hmm. and and coming out stories for us older people to hear how much better it is now. Like, it's a really good thing. So what was your coming out story like? Oh, Christ. Like, which one do you want? Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, there's a couple of them. But in general, I grew up in a a very evangelical Christian household. Uh, My my father was a pastor. My mother was the quintessential pastor's wife. We were kept at home and away from public schools so that we didn't have secular education. So, yeah, being queer and understanding queerness at a young age was not necessarily something that was guided, to say the very least. So I always knew that there was something going on because, like, I I, I didn't act like the other, like, boys my age or older. Uh, and I didn't necessarily act like the girls either. And I just wanted to do everything and I wanted to play with everything. And I used to constantly get in trouble as a kid for like wearing my sister's clothes and playing in like my grandmother's shoes. And I, I just wanted to I wanted to do everything. And I didn't understand why there should be rules as to what you were allowed to do and why you weren't. But I there were multiple sit down conversations over that stuff. I'm like, no, this is how you do it. This is what you're supposed to do. You're gonna grow up, you're gonna do this. This is how you act like a good Christian. Like you've got to stop this stuff. People are gonna think you're weird. That's a weird thing to do. So that was the majority of my childhood, just things like that. Uh, I didn't really come out until I was 19. 
and that was when I met my first boyfriend because I had been dating a, a girl all the way through high school, uh, and she was fantastic. I have nothing negative to say about her, uh, and she's making a lot of money now too. So I, I maybe should have sat down and stayed where I was, <laughs> but <laughs> met my first boyfriend who was a drug addict ski instructor, um, and decided like that was a good thing to do, and that's when you decide to come out because you think, oh well, as I don't really know queer people. I'd never really met another gay identifying person uh, or gay male before my boyfriend. Yeah. Because I was at a party, he came up, we started making out. That's how that went. So I was like, okay, cool. So if I kiss boy, then gay. So now I need to go be good gay. So I spent a lot of years of being like, okay, how we have to dress a certain way. We have to kind of like butch it up a little bit. And then what do we do? We go to bars and then we drink and then we drink some more and we drink a whole bunch and then we do those drugs and we have sex with this person that we don't necessarily like. But it's like, we got to be gay. We got to be do it like correctly. It's like, we have to know all the things. We have to see all the movies. Like, we, we, we want to learn all the culture. And so I did that for many, many years until it was finally that point of being like, yeah, I've never felt comfortable in like the quote unquote like mainstream like gay spaces. Like, I always felt like I was an imposter the same way that I felt growing mm-hmm. up in church, knowing that like, oh God, if they figure it out, that I don't really belong here. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that I'm sitting in a gay bar at like 22 years old thinking like, God, if they figure it out that I'm not good at this, I'm not a good gay, they're going to ostracize me and I'm not going to have anywhere to go because the straights aren't going to have me. So like, growing older, you start to realize things and like, I'm much more comfortable with my pansexuality now because like, I just really don't factor gender into that kind of thing. And that was never really a big thing for me. And I messed up a lot of really great potential relationships along the way because they were either with women or with people who were outside of the gender binary altogether. And I'm like, well, I have to date men because then I won't be a gay. And I know that there were relationships that I could have had and enjoyed that I missed out on because I was so stuck on this kind of almost religious dogma of trying to be the good gay. So it's, it's a carryover from childhood. That's how religious trauma works is it makes us do things in weird ways. But yeah, that's that's kind of my coming out story. Hmm. That's yeah. These are the conversations. Thank you for sharing that. That like have helped me this month so much. So I can only imagine how many more people you're going to help that listen to this who don't know anything about our experience. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's been it's been the gift of the internet. You know, my little bubble of gayness was very small and. All I really knew were gay men. That mm-hmm. was it. <laughs> Same here. It was most of my most of my world. And you're right. It's it's you know, um, it, it's a beautiful thing to know. There's more outside of all of that, and there's we can all become so much better people by just mm-hmm. listening and listening and just period end of sentence. <laughs> just giving you know? people the space to realize and experiment and. Find out the full depth and breadth of who you are as a person and how that can change over time. Uh, that's, that's so yep. much stuff that I think that we need to move away from the concrete idea of a lot of these identities. And that can be a little mm-hmm. bit controversial for some people, right? Because they don't want to feel like someone's yep. going to take their gay for them. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is yep. you can go through different periods of your life where you're up and down on those different scales. And that's perfectly fine, and that's perfectly normal, and it should be just normalized and then in a conversational way. Like, you may only exclusively be attracted to one gender for years and years and years, and then you meet someone else, and you're like, okay, cool, and you deserve to have that moment to be like, okay, cool, let me just be with this person. 
And that's not for everybody. Not everyone's wired like that. I think more Mm. people are wired like that than aren't. uh, Just from like an anthropological level, I think as a human animal, we're probably more geared toward a kind of like a pansexuality in our wiring. But then there's, you know, there's societal Mm -hmm. input and stuff like that. Um, And some people seem to just be hardwired one way or the other. God bless you guys. Uh, Can't relate. Couldn't tell you. I can't pay attention to anything. (laughs) Like, I always tell people that with all of my identities, of which there are unfortunately all kinds of labels, uh, the best way to sum it up is if there are multiple options, then my choice is all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, I... That, there's a lot there. There's a lot. Uh, I, I admire that so much because I am, as I have joked around with our friend Emma on After Dark, I like my single biome Star Wars planets <laughs> because I am simple <laughs> and just give it to me and I don't want to think about it. Um, what that says about me, I don't know. <laughs> but there it is. But, you know, it's I love the fact that you brought up and it's something I've been percolating on a lot lately of – some of it's the Bad Batch and this whole idea that that story is focusing so much on identity and mm-hmm. redefining who you are, redefining the galaxy. How do you fit in in all these different spaces? I mean, I find the Bad Batch to be a very queer show, just like The Mandalorian. Probably all of these things because maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like queer people have to analyze ourselves a lot more than maybe – other people do. You've said it yourself. And I love what you said about allowing ourselves to change and not be who we were yesterday. And Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the greatest lessons from Luke Skywalker. And that might be a part of in the last Jedi. Maybe that was why so many people had a problem with it because they don't want to be challenged that they could (laughs) have, that they might be changing as they get older. And that's exactly what Luke was going through. He was like, okay, I thought I was this forever. And then he realized all the garbage that the Jedi were, but he was had to hold on to it for so bad that it just made him very bitter and jaded and angry because he wasn't allowing himself to change or redefine what a Jedi meant for him, you know? And then we meet Rey, who's this amazing character who will not let anyone define who she is, um, which is really interesting. But I, I mean, I have to say I commend you for that because it is difficult. And it's it's really admirable, I just have to say. So thank I'm, you for sharing I'm that. I'm um, just very lucky and grateful to be surrounded by a group of really supportive, amazing, diverse queerness in my life right now. And it's something I've never had before. Um, and between that and an absolutely wonderful and supportive husband and lots and lots of therapy – like there's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that you're like, cool. Like there's so fewer limitations than what I've put on myself for like 30 years yep. uh, and finding all kinds of stuff out. Uh, well, I mean, for example, like we haven't even talked since you've been on vacation, right? So you probably missed nope. that through a lot of therapy and then talking with people. Like I just recently came out as gender fluid and I use he, they pronouns right now. Mm-hmm. And that might change tomorrow. And who knows? But mm-hmm. that is where I am right now. Uh and that's really interesting is to be able to have that conversation with your partner and then to be like, A, I already knew, literally always thought that was the case, just didn't think that you were using the language for it. And also be like, how do you want to update things? Like, do you want to be called this instead? Like, how would you like to be referred to as a spouse or a husband? It's like stuff like that. And then just people rolling wow. with identity. That's really beautiful. And I'm lucky to have that because not a lot of people do. 
And for many, many years, I didn't. And I've worked really hard to get to this place, but it's really, really worth it. I just want other people to know that that exists and that's something that you deserve and you can have. Mm. That's beautiful. And what a great partner to be yes, that yes. accepting, like straight out the gate, like straight oh, out yeah. the gate, you know, amazing. You know, I think I, I, I agree with you so much. I feel this last, honestly, like if I really like zero scape it down, it's been less than a year mm-hmm. of just being meeting this whole group of people. I credit Mark and Emma and you and Era and Maria, like lots of people that I found myself with somehow through this podcast, mostly, obviously all all of it through this podcast (laughs) that just like changed me as a person. I feel like I was in a place that maybe I wouldn't have been rewind even a few years prior, but becoming a dad, like I realized for me, I needed to get over a lot of my, and I don't like that expression. Let me, I need to move past Mm -hmm. a lot of my, my baggage that I had about expectations in the in the stuff which we've all talked about on this podcast all the time, but like I didn't want to put that on my children, so right. I had to figure it out and accept the fact that I'm going to fall backwards sometimes, but I don't want to sit where I was. Like I need to move forward because I don't want to instill some of that stuff that I knew was unhealthy. There's so much that we know in ourselves that's unhealthy, mm-hmm. but it's scary, hard, and easier just to stay where you are. <laughs> you know, and, and, and sometimes it makes us miserable, unfortunately. But um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I feel fortunate that life brought me to a place that I think I was more open to meeting all of these people. You know, I've before this, I didn't know a lot of people. Really, yeah. I really didn't. I had my husband, who's the greatest person in the entire world. Like I could not ask for a better partner. You know, like we are literally meant for each other and he is my person. And we are just like this perfect little fit. And <laughs> Um, I'm very grateful. Um, and he is gone. As I was telling Ben before, we were back on vacation, but Tom and my boys are gone. So it's like, it's been two days and I've been crying every night. Going, <laughs> well, not really, not really crying, but I've been very lonely. <laughs> it is very weird, but, um, it is, it's a, you know, I find pride month to be a very self-reflective period for me. Maybe it's super selfish and maybe that's part of what's changing, but I always like to think where I was and where I've come to at this point because, I mean, I'm 42. I came out at 18, 24 years ago. More of my life I've been out than I was in, and we are in a very different place Mm -hmm. than it was in 1997 when I came out. And I'm learning that there is still – I still have a lot of sunglasses from back then that I still see the world in that I'm really like trying to like take these off. But I feel there's like lenses under lenses and, you know, and it's, but I'm recognizing that in myself and maybe that's some of the stuff that I was referring to at the beginning that I, I wish younger queer people would sometimes understand. I have been, I was told not too long ago that I needed to get over certain things from, from people online that, and that listened because it's not that way anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you're 24 and I'm really happy that it isn't that way for you anymore, but it was that way for me for a very long time. And I'm trying, like I am really, really working every single day to not be that way anymore. But that's what we have to, I feel we should always respect in those that are older than us, that they probably fought to make it easier for us, but we have scars along the way, you know? Um, And like I said, I'm working at not being angry 
back at those kinds of comments and going, that's what I fought for. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, all of that is just, it's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Cause honestly, it's like I said, it's opened my, my mind up to all sorts of things. So, um, I don't know. Won't be, it's just interesting. It's very, very interesting. And it's, yeah. Anyways, sorry, as I'm now, like, <laughs> lost in all of these amazing things that you just put in my head. Um, so I'm just going to quickly just change the subject. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> go right ahead. I need to mind munch. <laughs> um, I know that The Last Jedi means a lot to you. Yes. And Leia does, because of these things that you've been through in your life, from your childhood to being queer to some of these explorations you're going through right now in your life Mm -hmm. do you go to leia in a way or to star wars or to less jedi to help help guide you to the paths that you need to go to if that makes sense yeah i think that that's fair uh i think that it's a very known cliche that we are the stories that we tell ourselves as people and so when there are stories that speak to us and it reflects some part of our story back to us. There's a there's a reason why we go back to it to find comfort. Uh, and I think The Last mm. Jedi is just... It's a fascinating, introspective film about loss and about trauma and just about people working so hard and then ultimately failing at the thing that they wanted to do and then how you pick yourself up from that. And maybe that doesn't speak to a lot of people. Clearly it does because this is a loved movie. There's part of the segment mm-hmm. who just hate it because I don't think it says, like, clashy, clashy, pew, pew, as some people might like. Uh, and some people don't like certain character choices. I think that they are relevant, realistic choices. Uh, it is just, it is a movie that is shocking that it exists because it is, it makes Empire look like even less of a character study because it just stops full on to just explore, like, mm-hmm. what it would be like to be like the the hero to, to have done everything that you thought you needed to do and then ultimately everything seems to fail around you anyways and then just it breaking you and how to move on from that and it's it's, it's a really really beautiful moving mm. character film like that's that's something i go to all the time like i love luke's story in that movie like that that movie is my favorite luke moment period i love that mm-hmm. luke uh, just seeing someone who we see as like the epitome and the anthropomorphic personification of hope and youth and this kind of like he is the hero's journey. And to, to see that on that hero's journey that like in real life, no matter how well intended and how informed and how much you're trying, you can make mistakes and those mistakes can blow up. You can have one moment of weakness that completely destroys everything around you. And then what do you do? You can't take it back. People don't have to accept an apology. Sometimes you don't get an opportunity for that. And so in Luke's case, everything that he worked so hard falls down around him, and then he just it just breaks him. And when we meet mm-hmm. him, this is just a man who everything that he has worked so hard to become, and he tried to follow literally by the book. He wanted to be the best Jedi he could be. He wanted to bring all of this stuff back up, and it doesn't work. Like it, it doesn't work famously, and unfortunately, people die because of it. And his own nephew, like he hurts his nephew enough 
that it helps spur him on his path. And obviously there's like outside influence going on and that that's when it gets, you know, it's a fairy tale. So like there's like evil devils like with fingers in it, but at the heart of it, there's a very, very human story there. You know, you just said something to me that sparked something in my mind that I don't think I've drawn this connection to before. I am not a huge fan of Uncle Owen. We've talked about it on the show. You can go back to, like, I think the New Hope uh, episode, probably, where I really talk about this. But I do not find Uncle Owen to be a very supportive person. I think he was a terrible parent mm-hmm. uh, to Luke. I think Luke understood that. And I think he just be he was Uncle Owen to yeah. Ben. He, <laughs> he had all moment. these ex- expectations of who Ben was supposed to be and didn't let Ben be who he was and the grief that must have been there. I literally have not made that connection that he was Uncle Owen mm-hmm. in, that, in that way. And man, because let me tell you, as a parent, I know like everyone messes up every single day, right? We all do. You, But I've noticed these moments in my own ki- children that I'm like, oh, God, I was just like the parent I never wanted to be in this five minutes of a decision I made. And my gosh, do I rack my brain around it, you know? So I can only imagine what Luke goes through. Right. <laughs> would, would, like, even if it was that split second, as Luke says, but look what that one split second did. Mm-hmm. Because... I like as a, like as a father. I'm like, oh my god, this will be the one thing they remember. This is gonna be the one thing that they hold on to. It literally <laughs> lasted five minutes, but this is gonna be it. And that probably happened to all of us too. You know, when we look back, we can't we can't discern that anymore because I, you know, our emotional memory was that's the way it always was, and that is what built us at at, at certain stages of our life. So that's interesting. Right. I think. Um, I like you, you You were talking about loss and failure and rising back up and all of those things. What are some of the, like the positives and the negatives, but let's start with the negatives first. We can end on a positive okay. of being like a queer person, because I think it's really hard. It's hard walking through the world as a queer person. Mm-hmm. We've said it, you and I have it easier than a lot of other people probably do, but it still is, is hard. Um, and but there's also a lot of really beautiful parts I think for me of yeah. being queer. Yeah, um, I think there's stuff that just comes with the territory that you don't sign up for, and unfortunately that's life. And some of us get mm-hmm. more on our plate than others. Uh, and I've been lucky that I've I've got a lot of things that I've I've managed to either survive or just not have to go through entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I do not have a speaking relationship with my family of origin. Uh, that's and that's probably not going to change and that's okay. Like that's that's a point where I have come to terms and mourned that and that's all right. That is their choice to make and I can't spend my life hoping for someone else to feel differently than they didn't. Like that's a conversation that I had to have that for example my biological sister didn't have to have. So no matter what she does, uh she's never going to have to have that crossroads conversation with her birth parents. Uh and that's just something that we get as queer people. And, like, I can't even imagine what that would be like under cer- other circumstances or, like, other stories or what it would like to come out as trans. I can't imagine what that would be like to a religious family. And I think about that a lot is that it's just mm-hmm. you sign up for – well, you don't get signed – you don't sign up. You get signed up for. But if you get this <laughs> exactly. path, 
and there's so much beauty to be found in it and like found family and like this whole rich tapestry mm-hmm. of like life and exploration but that that starting level that's hard stuff like you are put in a world that is not built for you mm-hmm. and there're going to be people who are wondering why you're not doing it correctly and they're going to try to course correct you and some of yep. them are going to be less malicious than others i think there's a lot of kind of like societal based like checking of gender and of orientation of just like the 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 fun little joke like you know don't hold your wrist that way like that it becomes this constant subliminal need to make sure that everybody is doing the thing they're supposed to be doing and everybody is exactly like everyone else like it's you've got to do this thing because if you don't do this thing that people won't like you and you can't get a job and you can't do this mm-hmm. and you can't have a family uh, and people do that out of trauma because they've had it done to them and it's just cycle and circular and then people in power like it because it keeps things going the way that it is it's it's a whole mm-hmm. system so it's not just individual people it's not from one thing it's not from one religion no. it's but it's it's everything it's all encompassing so you're just set up in a world that you're not it, it isn't designed to reflect you it isn't designed to make it easy for you you are going against the grain by just existing and if you persist mm-hmm. through that there's something so much more beyond that you can get out of that little bubble and breathe air and really see that like you can do whatever you want <laughs> cuz like, there aren't really that many rules as much as we think that there are like i did not ever think that i was going to be able to get married uh, and it turns out like hey a lot of people work really hard and i've got that option and i've got that life and i'm married now didn't think that would ever happen um yep and there are people who get real iffy about it that's a big reason why my family and i don't talk cuz that's how they found out some stuff and they really didn't like that. And then mm. we've argued on my wedding night and that was a thing. So <sighs> that's stuff that you, you get added with it. It's like, there's a, there's a bittersweetness to queerness in a lot of ways. And I think yeah. it makes us appreciate things more because you've had to go through more because you really mm. savor the sweet because you've had to have the bitter. And as hard as it is, and as much as I don't want future people to have as much of a hard time as I've had, I'm really thankful for it because it makes me a more empathetic person to other people. Yep. And I think I think more about other people's experiences than I would if I were just like just a cis white straight dude just going through life, married my high school sweetheart, had 2.5 kids, got a job in a cubicle. Like I don't nope. think that the world that is set to just mainstream you through. You're just there to serve a purpose, be a cog, make money, die. I think that when you get caught in that, it's really hard to break it. And those people yep. don't have that opportunity for empathy unless they really, really, really try for it. And I, I don't think that's an excuse. I think these people should. <laughs> but yes. there, there are things that because you get hit, that it makes you more tender to other people. And that's, that's part yep. of being queer. And I'm, I am thankful for that, despite the fact yep. that it's hard sometimes. You know, I... My God, we're the same. This is why we get along so well. <laughs> but like just literally just today, my boss came in to the office and he came in the morning. How are you? I'm like super with my thumbs up, which is, you know, and then he came later in the day. He's like, you sure you're all good, Brian? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm great. He's like, what's with you today? You were super this morning and you're great this afternoon. Nobody's that happy. <laughs> and I was like, 
No, well, you know, honestly, I really am. More often than not, I have a husband and three amazing kids. I lit- And this is what came out of my mouth. I have a husband and three kids. I have a life that I literally never dreamt possible for myself. So I'm really grateful every single day for what I have. And I got the most dumbfound look. <laughs> and I'm like, you just, I, I, I know, you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. But it does take the the hitting back down sometimes does make i think makes us appreciate it a little bit more because like people talk about marriage well tom and i were together a lot longer than we've even had the right to be married <laughs> like right. we were together a long time before that right even came and so it just wasn't like an option for us you know and then talk about then have kids like what in the world like and we adopted them together like we didn't have to have some we didn't have to have workarounds we didn't have to do any of those kinds of things like it's it's really amazing and children are not for everybody and that's great and wonderful but you know that was all I ever wanted that I just didn't think I was going to get and I think you know there there was some news in 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 the world in this country that you know certain certain states don't allow gay foster parents now and you know it was stupid and i very much believe that queer people who choose to have children especially right now will make excellent parents yeah because we had to fight to get them here like i can almost promise you sorry other parents out there because i know you feel the exact same way but i'm gonna play a dad mode right now like no one will love their children as much as i love my kids like i love them I will fight hard for them every single day because nothing good brought them here. And that is something that my whole family has in common. We all had a rough beginning, you know, like Tom had a great family. But as a queer person, we all had rough beginnings. And here we are, you know, I while we're on vacation, our, our middle son, Eli, was just, you know, I'm really happy that we found each other. And it's just this really beautiful thing. And I very much raise them every day. You know, I'm like... We all had a, we had to, our lives had, we had to go through what we went through in life to get us here together. And, you know, that's okay. Cause now we're going to have a really bright future together and that light will outshine the dark any day of the week. Um, but I agree with you. I think that's something that because of what we've been through, maybe we appreciate a little more than everybody else that it was just given to, you know, and I don't mean that as a slam against everybody else either. That's not. No, but I think that I think we deserve to be able to say, like, you know what, we had to work harder than some people did to have mm-hmm. things that were just given to them, uh, especially yep. with a lot of queer people who can't biologically have kids, just you know, between in their relationship, yep. right? Uh, yep. We have to work a little bit harder to find a way to get some. Uh, that mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate for adoption and something that we want to move into when the time is yep. right. Because I I think that yeah. found family is so important to queerness. It is so integral to our existence that, you know, God bless however it is that you feel like you need to bring your child into the world. I'm not going to knock that. That's completely up to you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me, so it's not my business. Just for me yeah. personally, I would much rather take in someone who doesn't have a home than to mm-hmm. like just create a brand new person. Because that's what happened to me in my life is, like, people took me in who didn't have to. And then we created families. And my life is so much better for that. And I'm thankful for it. Why would I not want to share the opportunity with someone else? You know, it's – 
it's the it's the beauty of a found family and you know like jack was the oldest when he came he was seven and there's a big difference that i now know (laughs) between seven and michael was four when he came there is a big difference in those three years but i have a lot to learn from my kids and their history like i that they were not they didn't i didn't in quotes here, make them. Right. And I didn't see them from the time of inception to the time of their birth. So they had a history. And that history gets to teach me just as much as my history gets to teach them. Right. And it's something I'm really grateful for because it made me a better person. You know, I think it 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 forces you, and this is found family in general. You know, you meet people who think differently. It forces, if you allow it, if you're open to it, you step backwards and go, ooh, I made some of those mistakes that mm-hmm. could have affected someone that way. Yeah, I didn't think it was happening that way because there's, you know, I when we talk, though, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you understand my perspective by now. But like th- sometimes people cause hurt and they're not bad people. It was not intentional hurt. You know, you can go down the path of it becomes intentional if it's brought to your attention and you like double down on this instead of like, oh, you know, there has to be room for redemption and room for a lack of awareness sometimes, I think. Um, but I think found family teaches that a lot. And I think when it's built into our community the way it's built into our community, maybe we understand that a little more, you know? Um, I don't know. But I love that. I love that. So I want to get – I want to hear from you on some of these harder things. Yeah. Because yeah, I know yeah. you've you've had some moments. You you've said that, you know, you're an alcoholic and, and those yeah. things. I, I past, queerness, all of those things, are they all steps that helped walk you down that road to self healing in, in if that's the wrong way to say it, but you know, like did that those things play a part in what led you down that road, do you think? Yeah. I think um I think our past constantly informs our present and then we'll leak over into your future in positive or negative ways you get to make that decision you just have to be more Mm -hmm. cognizant and make correct decisions of what's worth carrying with you that's uh, something that brian said earlier that uh really struck a chord it's just that idea of kind of uh deciding to leave baggage behind so you don't give it to your kids uh, I think that's the same way with yourself, because in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. we end up becoming our own parent and that like you are responsible for yourself after a certain age. And there's we all have baggage. We all have things that we carry with us. Uh, yep. And there's probably a point in everybody's life. And if it's not the truth for you, I'm very happy for you. Thank whatever you pray to for your privilege. I feel like we all get. <laughs> no, <laughs> you have it, too. You have it, too. Go listen to some Erica Badu and Bag Lady. <laughs> You're carrying too much stuff because we all have it. So you might not think it's you, but it's you. Yours might be lighter and it might come in a Louis Vuitton bag or something. Uh-huh. I don't know, but you got the baggage. Put it down. I feel <laughs> like. Sorry. No, no. You're yeah. <laughs> I think we all get to our Octo moments in life. Yep. And something will bring you there. And then you get to decide if you want to stay there. And then just ruminate on it and let it control you and then just shut yourself off from the rest of the world because, like, look what has happened or look what I've done or look what's been done to me. Like, I can't move past this. And I feel feelings. And that's perfectly valid is the suck part about it because, like, yeah, those things are rough. You got handed a raw deal 
in that case, maybe. Or you made some choices that really negatively hurt some things. You hurt some people that you love with your choices. Or you lost people that you love because of your choices who are no longer in your life. And, like, sometimes those people aren't coming back, and that's okay. Because people deserve to react however they react. But you could sit in that and let that become your new normal. Or you can try to move beyond that. And I think that that's something that really resonates with me in The Last Jedi. And, it, like, uh, Leia's a whole other moment there, right? Because, um... So growing up, uh, Leia was always this kind of inspirational character because of how strong she is as a person, which is something that we don't actually get from Luke or Han. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. But first time we meet her, her planet blows up. She loses her her parents. Uh, she's constantly losing things all throughout the original trilogy. And then we just see her kind of like double down and fight back. Is that because like this is just a story and it wasn't set to be like a, a character drama? Sure. <laughs> But if you're taking these things as these characters that inform you, you're like, yeah, like, I want to be more like Leia. Like, I have all of these things that have happened, but, like, you just can't let it affect you. You have to keep trucking along. Like, there's always something to do, and you don't have time to stop about that. Because, like, she wouldn't take time to stop about that. She'd just keep moving forward. And then we get to see The Last Jedi where all of that actually affects her for the first time on screen. We've never seen her really react to, like, the trauma of her life and then everything falling apart and losing her son and Han. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, there's that moment. Everyone is going to have that. And it's normal. And it's to be mm -hmm. expected. And then you get to decide what to do with that. You can't run from things forever. Uh, I was a big fan growing up of always saying, like, I know for a fact that you can't run from your past, but I'm going to give it a run for its money. Uh, and that was said as a joke. But it was also kind of a mantra. Uh, you know grow up in an abusive family, kind of like I did, had some religious trauma, uh, came out, had some rough times with that, uh, had some issues with substance abuse, but that wasn't too terribly, terribly bad, had a bigger issue with alcohol abuse, that was pretty rough, and then got past that, you know, knock on wood, it's, a, it's an everyday thing, but you're like, okay, cool, I've got this, I can keep going, like, I don't have to stop with this. Like, who cares about all this other stuff? Like, because, look, I'm, I'm living life now. I'm doing things. Like, I'm meeting this new person. Like, I had just started, um, let's see, where when was this? So, I had been with my boyfriend at the time, husband now, uh, for a little bit. We had broken up for a while, and then we met again just by pure circumstance. Uh, and, like, the first thing he ever did was he said hello there to me in an Obi-Wan impression. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. you! Like... I, I haven't seen you in forever. Like, we should get coffee. But we're not dating again because I never date people who I've dated before because there's a reason that we broke up. Even if you broke up with me because I wanted to take a job and not move out of the rural town that I was living in. But regardless of all that. Yeah. And then after a while, you start to realize, like, oh, no, like, this person really belongs in my life. And they mean the world to me. So, like, let's try it. Like, let's do the thing. Let's be, like, fun, crazy like, quirky kids, let's start dating. And I'm like, yeah, we're doing that. So we start dating. Um, and a couple months into it, uh, my husband, who had been sober for a lot longer than I had, uh, started to kind of experiment with drinking, which is a thing that a lot of alcoholics do, especially if you get sober at a young age, uh, is you might go seven, eight years and be like, hey, cool. Thing is, I may not actually have that problem. So, like, let me experiment. Let me kind of try around. 
Uh, and in this case, which normal people, you try around a little bit and you go, yeah, you know what? I fell down at the park or I called my mom and said something hateful. I'm, let me get to a meeting or I need to get back on this train. That's what happens for most people. In this particular instance, uh, and I'm going to, I'll try to ask Brian to put something at the beginning of this episode, but just in case you've been listening up until this point, like there is some like content warning from here on out. Like I've got permission explicitly to talk about this, um, but you know, there's some kind of triggery stuff here. If it's not healthy for you, God bless you. Please go take care of yourself. Might not be for you to listen. If it's for you to listen in the future, it'll be here. Like it's, it's not going away. It's the internet. It's always going to be around. So take care of you, please. Like, just do that. Don't feel weird. Don't feel like it's not normal. Don't push yourself through if it's uncomfortable. There we go. There's your warning, uh, which is valid and super necessary for some people. So a couple years, or excuse me, a couple months into this kind of like Fun little thing that was going on. Uh, my husband got drugged and violently raped. Uh, and that opened a whole world of PTSD up for him. Because it was something that had happened before. And I got to watch someone who was the strongest person that I knew. Who was one of the most outspoken, outgoing, super social, like super involved in his recovery community and helped other people, I watched someone wither and disappear into themselves. And that was something that I've never had to watch someone do. And you start to realize, like, oh, no, like, this can get... This could be really bad. Like, we have to deal with this in some way, shape, or form. Like, your past can really catch up to you. Um, And, you know, that was a long road. And that's a road that we're still on. Thank God for, you know, therapy and medication and super supportive people. And we moved a whole state away and did all of these other things. And we are in such like a beautiful, better place than we were two, three years ago. Uh, but there were some rough, rough times in there. Because here's the fun thing about PTSD. If you're someone who lives with them, you already know this. If you're not, it comes in different forms. Some people with PTSD get freaked out and hypervigilant over like super little triggers. Some people have dissociative episodes where they get stuck in a trauma loop, and then they're in that memory. Some people will go so far as to have a psychotic episode, and then they can get verbally or physically violent, and you have to send them off someplace. That's scary, too. So we did a lot of those things. Uh, And we did those things for two, three years before we finally... Because we had moved out of the state, we got into a place where there was help available, where there were therapists who specialized in working with trauma um, and who weren't faith-based, because that's a huge thing where we lived. All of the available therapists were booked out the ass, and the other half worked out of a church. And that's not going to (laughs) work for queer people. Uh, So we finally get into it, and we get the PTSD diagnosis, and we start learning about why these things had happened, and, like, what an associative episode was, and, like, how... Someone could be sitting at home, and then something triggers them. Whether it's something they saw on TV, or a memory that came back to them. And then you just kind of disappear. You get in the back of your brain, and then you can wake up 12 hours later, realizing that, like, you went down to the store and drank a whole bottle of vodka, or something like that. Like, that can all happen. 
And from the outside, you're thinking, like, no, you knew what you did. Because, like, how did you get there otherwise? We didn't have the language or understanding to know what was going on, right? So, we're in a better place now because, like, we have that language. We know what it is. We know how that works. We've got fantastic medication that has made a world of difference. Uh, and I'm a huge, huge advocate for therapy right now. But that journey really was rough. And I had to lay my way through it. There's stuff going on all the time, right? And you're like, I don't have time to stop. I got to keep going. Uh, husband disappeared for two days and we found him in a gutter. Cool. Okay. Still got to go to work. Uh, people say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, husband's in the psych ward on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then I'm running back to work because I'm late and I'm getting in trouble for attendance. Well, that's because I had to go home because in the middle of the day, my husband dissociated and almost chopped his finger off with a knife and then called me and said he cut himself. But he actually hadn't. It was a mole. It's, it was a whole thing, right? That was years of my life of constantly keeping the face. Like, you gotta be on, you gotta be like, you gotta be stronger, you gotta just not let this affect you. And then as my husband started getting help, and his life started getting to what we'll call our new normal, right? We're not great at where we're at right now. It's not perfect. It's so much better than it was. Like, we don't have these kind of scares <laughs> like we used to. We know what's going on. Uh, and every day it's getting better and stronger. But once that started, once the fires went out, is how I'll put it, right? Once the fires subsided, you get left with the ash. And then you're just standing alone in the middle of it, thinking, oh, shit. So I guess I just sweep this up. Okay, um, we don't have time to sweep this up. We just keep going, right? Like, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that things are good. I, I don't have to worry about this. And unfortunately, because of all of that and the kind of a past, it started to really, really negatively affect my mental health. So I put it off and I got real mean and I got nasty and I just got bitter about things. And I would make little hateful comments for no reason, because like no one could understand what I was going through. And like I was angry at him and I was angry that he didn't understand what was going on. And no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just angry because these things happened to me and anyone would be angry about this. And I can be however I want. And like, am I happy? No, but who has time to be happy? Yes, I sleep for 13 hours at a time because like my depression is just opening up and drawing me into it. And I have anxiety attacks over anything that'll pull it up. Uh, phone goes off at the wrong hour of the morning. I'm going to have a full anxiety attack. That's perfectly normal. Still got to go to work. We can't do anything about that. And it got to the point of where I almost had a full mental breakdown. Uh, and, you know, I had a couple of ones that were borderline. But it got to the point of where I was physically unable to get out of bed. And I was having a hard time just, like, listening to people talk. And I would get lost inside my own head. And, like, this was even happening as, the, like, the Katana cast was starting up. Like, we started in September. And my roughest times... Like, December was a rough, rough month for me mentally. Like, I got close and dangerous to some just really negative stuff uh, by about December. So, like, I'm recording a podcast weekly or bi-weekly at that point, and I'm coming in, and I'm I'm being happy. And then the rest of the week, I just, like, I can't think. And I'm just so depressed I can't think. 
And I'm so anxious and I'm so angry and I'm so angry at everybody that I run into, but I'm so sad. And it's just, it's just all falling apart. And then finally realizing like, you know what? I see how much work my husband has put into therapy and I'm seeing the person that he's becoming again, starting to see him come back, but also like people don't necessarily come back. You become a new version of you. You kind of rise from those ashes and it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I really do need to look for help. And I am very, very lucky. I have an amazing supportive husband who is obviously a very big advocate of mental health and was very supportive. And I couldn't email somebody because I was like, oh, I can't do this. And he was very nice. He'd, he'd pull recommendations that his therapist would give for me. So I had names of people to reach out to. And it took me weeks, but I finally sent the first email. And I, I lucked out. I have an amazing, amazing therapist uh, who worked with me when I was very difficult to work with because I would just go in and then just cry through the whole session. As a person who does not normally, normally do that, I mean, I'll probably cry all through this podcast, but that's because that's where I'm at right now. I love a good emotion right now. I'm not scared of them. Used to be. But I would go in and just cry through my whole session and like, I don't know what's going on. And it turns out, it's like, yeah, cool. So here's the thing. Been through some rough stuff. But also, like, just as a history of your entire life, you've got some issues with depression. You've definitely got some issues with anxiety. You got a little ADHD. Surprise. Uh, and then also, like, a, a nice little helping of different kinds of trauma from, like, childhood and then the last couple of years and all that stuff. Uh, so, like, let's look into medication and let's see how that goes. And that's something that's more recent in my life now. Like, I've probably been doing that for two months or so. Uh, you know, and it got kind of weird. I got kind of fuzzy. Uh, I did <laughs> our episode of the Katana cast where Pink Milk was on it. I had just started my medication like a week and a half beforehand. And I was so zonked that whole damn podcast that I barely <laughs> talked because I was just struggling to pay attention to the screen. <laughs> So I don't talk a lot that episode because I was having a good time, but I'm just like, I can't form words, guys. Like thoughts aren't happening. And after this, I'm going to go lay down because it's after eight o'clock and it's turned me into an old person. And like that takes some time and some evening out and then talking with a really nice psychiatrist who helps you even out all those medications and stuff. Right. And I'm about two months into that. Um, mm. Kind of switched some stuff recently that I'm, starting to get used to now and then just seeing what that makes a difference for between like the work that I'm doing in therapy and dealing with past trauma and current trauma and learning better languages for myself. And then like just the help of like fixing the chemical imbalances that have honestly probably always been in my head. Cause I do think that there is a biological side to that for a lot of people. Cause obviously there are chemical imbalances and certain doctors will say that, we're still not positive, honestly, about if the chemical imbalance is inborn or if it's actually a result of trauma that will make your brain do that, that it has a physical side effect mm -hmm. and that you can just stop producing serotonin. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one mm -hmm. on TV, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I can tell you that I'm starting to see this whole other version of my life that I didn't think was possible um, at all. Did not think that that was a thing. Like, I'm 31 years old. I had to do the math real quick. That's sad. Um... And I don't know that I've ever lived a single day where I felt just content, which is a weird new feeling because I, I've tried to describe it as like, there's a certain feeling 
on like a Christmas, right? Like, and it's exciting because like maybe there's presents and there's people around and stuff like that. But then like as the day goes over, like you've had a really good day and like presents are done and wrapping paper is put away and dinner's already been had and maybe people are going home and you're just like sitting by yourself and you're like, yeah, they're just like the nice little warm feeling. And that's called contentment in case you don't know, because <laughs> I certainly didn't. Uh, I was just sitting at work the other day and then had to text the therapist to be like, here's the thing. I don't know what's going on and I can't describe this feeling, but I'm in a good mood, but nothing is happening. Like there's nothing going on. It is a very dull Tuesday. I've just drank a little bit of coffee and I had a fairly rude client, but I feel kind of hopeful. And it turns out like, yeah, that's, that's something you can work towards and that's new and that's wild. But yeah, that's that's uh, where I'm at right now in my mental health journey. Uh, hmm. You get all kinds of stuff out of it. Find out stuff about your gender. That's fun because uh, you start moving some of like depression, anxiety and all kinds of other stuff comes bubbling up and your whole childhood makes sense. Lots of sense. And then that comes out. It's just like, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm hopeful for the first time in my life. Um I don't know what the next step is um, in a lot of ways, like creatively, professionally, personally. Um, mm -hmm. But I can do it. I've done it much harder without anything. And now for once, I'm like, oh, yeah, like there are opportunities that are available and I can take part of them and I can capitalize on this and I can not take advantage of it. But like I can accept these opportunities that beforehand I couldn't do. I didn't have the ability to. I didn't have the energy I, I just couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it. And like that's starting to happen. And that's, mm. that's something that I had to learn the hard way. Surprise. <laughs> Cause um, <laughs> I've never been able to learn from other people. I always had to stick my finger in the electrical socket sometimes twice, just to make sure that electricity was a recurring phenomenon. So I had to learn the hard way with getting to the point of where I was almost completely broke down to the point of where I couldn't work anymore because of my own mental health falling apart uh, to realize that it's it's really important to take care of yourself and to make those choices. And it's not nearly as hard as you think it is. It's just as scary as you think it is. So that's true. But you can do it and you can get past that. And there's just so much on the other side of it that you have no idea like what your possibilities are. So that is what The Last Jedi symbolizes for me in a lot of ways. And obviously that movie's been around a lot longer than what I'm going through right now. Um, or where I am in my my particular path. But um, even like going back to it and watching it recently, I'm just like, man, this stuff was really speaking to me and I didn't understand why. And I've loved this movie and I've like broken it down thematically and talked about that stuff. Uh, but there's stuff that I didn't even know that I was noticing and taking from it. And it's there and it's so layered and it's textured. And I just feel I have a lot of feelings in case you can't tell. Uh, yeah. About all of that. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a really important reminder if it's for you and if you need to hear it, there's a lot in that movie to be found mm -hmm. there's a lot of those stories to be found um so yeah uh mm. summary last jedi is a pretty good movie brian <laughs> well thank you for sharing all that my dear friend and i'm really really proud of you 
um, remember where you are and what you're doing. Take that lesson from Yoda. Don't take the uh, always <laughs> to the future that Luke does because uh, where you are right now is right where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's not fun every single day. But, you know, the fact that you just had a dull Tuesday was a really good day. That's like a really beautiful <laughs> sign because you should have a dull Tuesday that's a really, really good day. Um, so I'm really proud of you for that. Well, don't, thank you. Don't – um, and don't take the the necessarily what I consider – you know, think about Leia when she let it all hit her in that movie. She needed to let it hit her, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, thank, honestly, just thank you for sharing all that. And, and um, you know, remember you'd said before you, before we started talking about this that you, you never dreamed that you were going to be able to be married, right? Yeah. <laughs> and no you idea. said you're starting to get to this point that you didn't dream of a life that you can have, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to come. Yeah. So it's going to come. It's going to come. But you have to think about where you are right now because then all of a sudden what happens is you're just in it. Mm-hmm. And you go back and go, when did this happen? And at that point in time, it just doesn't matter anymore. Right. <laughs> because all all of the stuff, wherever it gets us, wherever we're going, we had to go through it. You know? Um it it adds us adds the texture to our own selves that we all we love to see texture in other people, but then we so desperately don't want to see the texture in ourselves because it takes work to get there. But I'm really really proud of you. I hope you know that. Well, That's, thank you. We can cut all this out um, of the episode. I can't handle compliments. They're not my favorite. <laughs> but you know what? You should start taking them. No more, uh, no more I'll, deflection. No more I'll deflecting. Put it on the calendar, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> go watch, go watch that gay Jedi. Watch the three PO episode, and realize that we're all self-deprecating. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's cute and playful, but um, I mean, yeah, nobody can, yeah. Um, but I'm really, I mean, honestly, I'm just, I'm really, really happy that. You're doing what needs to be done for you, and I think you and your partner are really lucky to have one another because it sounds like you're just really, really supportive of one another, and that yeah. is a don't know how a I rare lucked thing. out with that one, but I I definitely I burned that receipt a long time ago. I dare someone nope. to try to take me back. Like nope, nope, <laughs> nope. This is a long term commitment. If you want out of this, like there's a brick in the backyard. Figure it out. <laughs> You got it because you deserve it. I will tell you that. I don't want you to. I don't want you to be like me, where I spent a good five years of my relationship with Tom saying, "How the hell did I deserve this?" Like I don't. <laughs> what the heck did I do? Like I. And then at some point, you know, you have to accept the fact that you're a good person, and you we get we attract what we attract because we attract what what we put out there, and if. And if you feel like you have a husband that you're not worthy of, I can guarantee he feels the same way. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, we, we've put a lot of work to be here. Um, I think we have both <laughs> dispensed with the idea a long time ago that, like, oh, no, this person is putting up with me and, like, I don't quite deserve it. Like, we're here because we want to be here and we've put in the work to be here and we love each other and that's not changing anytime soon. And if it does, there's a brick in the backyard. Um, but like we'll, yeah. it's it's something I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. If there's something to bless, something. Yeah. Uh, very fortunate. Very thankful. Very grateful to have that in my life. 
and it's it's made all the difference. Hard times, easy times, good times, weird times. Like that's it's all been worth it. And I I just cannot wait to see kind of like what the rest of that life looks like. Like just yeah. on the personal level. Like there's all kinds of stuff that's gonna happen and like we'll see. I couldn't tell you. It'll happen when it happens. Nope. I'm not here to rush it. Like I got time to sit around and be bored. I'll take that for right now. You know not knowing is the greatest thing, you know. That's the thing. That's the lesson that took me later in life to understand from Yoda, mm-hmm. the looking to the future. That there's an actual joy and a beauty to not knowing what's coming ahead. You know? Right. Uh, right. I think it's hard. It sounds like it's hard for you. It was very hard for me. And I work at that every day to, like, mm-hmm. pull myself back. Um I'm glad to know that you're pulling yourself back too. I think that's it's important. Being present is it's hard. There's a reason why there mm-hmm. there's so many people who make a career out of trying to teach you to be mindful because it's not yep. your natural inclination. Like as an animal, Mm-mm. we are not designed <laughs> to just sit and enjoy the moment that we're in because we still nope. have our hunter-gatherer instincts. We're still trying to figure out, like, oh, what's coming around the corner? Like, where's food? Where's fire? Yep. Like, where's sex? Uh, like, we're constantly working on that kind of stuff. But taking the time to learn how to just enjoy the time that you're in is a lot of work. And a lot of times it's boring at first and during and after. But, like, there's <laughs> there's so much to be gained from that. Um, and I think it, yeah. some of it comes with maturity. Uh, but it's really important to try to get there when you can. Because I, yep. I think a lot of people hit it later in life when mm-hmm. they realize they didn't really savor what was going on for four decades beforehand because they were paying mortgages and making sure the insurance was up to date and like the dog got out and that the kids got to school. And it's very easy to do. It's very normal to do. And it's yep. normalized. But like you just miss so much by not paying attention to what you're in. And like, yeah, that's, that's a really important thing. So if yep. you take nothing else from this episode, uh, just like <laughs> shut the fuck up and sit down and just look at where you are. And sometimes it's not the best. Maybe it's not the best. Maybe if you sat through this whole episode, you're going through similar stuff. And I understand. And it can get better. But just take a moment to appreciate what you're at and where you are and how hard you've worked to get where you are. And if there's a lot to do in the future, cool. You don't have to do that today. Right now, you can just be in that moment and try to appreciate what there is to appreciate. And if there's nothing to appreciate, I understand. Trust me. Uh, As a depressed person, it is a thing that sometimes we are Mm -hmm. unable to see anything other than just like the gaping maw of depression that just sits and looks at you and growls. But if that's where you are right now, I understand. And that is very valid. But just know that it isn't always like that. Like, tomorrow might not even be like that. Mm -hmm. It changes by day. And it can be different. And it can be better. And it might take some work. And it might take some discomfort. And it might take awkward conversations with people that you don't want to have them with. But, like, you can can get away from that. And you can find something for yourself. And you can make things. And it's all you. Like, you can do all those things for you. And sometimes you'll have to have outside help. Most people will. Therapy's great. It's not nearly as expensive as you think you are. Uh, as you think it yep. is. And if you have insurance, it's mostly covered. And if it isn't, a lot of people have sliding scale. Sliding scale therapists are amazing. I really like them. 
they're super yep. cool. Uh, so yeah, all kinds of options. Like just like I just dare you to try something because like if it doesn't work, then cool, you can go back to being sad. That's fine. You've got that forever if you want it. So you know, nope. give it a shot. It might be worth it. And if not, you can have no. all of the money that you just paid for this conversation back. You're more than welcome. <laughs> I'll give you double back. I'm a I'm a big, a really really big believer in. There are always lessons to be learned somewhere. Sometimes they're really hard to find, and sometimes it's really ugly. You don't want to look at it, but they're there. I think in some of my darkest moments mm-hmm. of my life, which we all have. There's some really important lessons there, even if it's what not to be like tomorrow, you know, and we, I think one thing we, we love Star Wars and redemption, um, even when we don't love the way things are redeemed or how it happens, what happens to characters after they're redeemed all the time in Star Wars. But I think it's, it, it's so easy for us to see redemption in other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And we don't allow it for ourselves, and I think it's really, really important to allow it for allow it to ourselves and for ourselves. You know, we we can come out of another side and be okay. You know, and sometimes treat other people, treat ourselves like we treat other people, and it's a and it's it's oftentimes an expression. You know, I think for treat each other kindly. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think we can look at it and go, you know, we can we can let other people move past where they were, but we very rarely let ourselves move past where we were, and it's not fair, you know, to go back to kind of what you were saying earlier in the conversation. So I have to tell you, friend, let yourself be where you are because it's where you need to be, and tomorrow's going to come no matter what. So you don't need to think about it coming or what you need to do to get there because it's coming regardless. <laughs> and... And, and yeah, yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brian. Oh, God. God. My whole sinuses have been cleared out from this fucking episode. (laughs) Oh, I want my money back. uh, You know, this is, this is some of the stuff that I, I love about Star Wars. That's what's, it's all in there. Mm -hmm. And I think the greatest gift in Star Wars is that a lot of this is buried underneath the pew pew pews. You can't see this right now, but I'm wearing my pew 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 shirt. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's like my least favorite Star War, but it's what keeps you coming back every time. And all these other things that that you were speaking to that, you know, Last Jedi was there for you when you didn't know you needed it there. Mm-hmm. But there it was. And... Maybe some of those things that you're, you're taking, you're recognizing now that you needed to hear. Well, maybe you just didn't. You heard it back then, and maybe you didn't know you heard it, and it got to got you where you are right now. And I think for me, it's 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 the greatest gift that Star Wars can give. It's just being there when you didn't know you needed it, needed it. You know. Um, so I, I know there's a lot of people out there who watch Star Wars just for the pew pew pews, and God bless you. I love you. I guarantee you don't listen to this podcast. We don't do any of that conversation. So if you're listening to us, um, hi, why are you? You here? know, <laughs> yeah, no. Did you then, accidentally? Then you're going to be able to relate. Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to be able to relate to Ben here. So, um, 
make sure to send him a thank you because um, that was not easy. That could not have been easy. So you're really brave to do that. I mean, we put this stuff out there and no one knows who's going to hear it. And it's really scary. So, you know, I'm honored that you chose to share that with me. I really am. Oh, I'm yeah. Really I, I would not have this conversation with anyone other than Brian. And I've, I've said that implicitly a couple times <laughs> uh, when I pitched this episode to him originally. Okay. Uh, is that I, I would not trust this story with anybody else. Uh, and also, you know, I like Brian a lot. Brian's a fantastic human mm. being, and I like undivided mm. attention sometimes. I'm a bit of a whore for attention. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, let me just get Brian's undivided attention for a little bit. Uh, and then I also know that if, if there was anything in this recording that needed to not hit to air, and I changed my mind on it later, I can reach out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be handled appropriately. Uh, cause you know, that's what I would do, but not everyone is like that yep. and that's okay. Nope. But I definitely know some no, people. No, it's not. No, it is not. You know what? It <laughs> that, that it aspect's isn't. not okay. Yeah, I take Let's that back. Be honest. Like people need to be empathetic, <laughs> but they're, be careful with who you share your stories with because understand that that belongs to you and you don't have to just give that nope. to anybody. Uh, and it may help, but just, you know, be mindful of that. That's another life lesson. No charge. It's free. Uh, just, mm. yep. Just treat yourself kindly and like respect yourself and your story and value that. Like, cause you get to decide what your worth is as a human being. And that comes with all of your creative endeavors and your personal story and like creative mm-hmm. projects, all of that stuff. Like that's, it's, it's very important. I don't know how I'm on this ramble. My ADHD medication is wearing off quick, fast <laughs> and in a hurry. Someone stop me. No, I think, I mean, I think this is great. And you know, sadly, um, these kinds of stories, I think we hear a lot in our community, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because we are just rejected a lot at every turn. You know, we – and it comes and goes in life. You know, I think becoming a parent made me deal with certain things that I thought I had I thought I had put away a long time ago. And then all of a sudden stuff comes back up because, you know – you, I have children that are now hearing certain things that I have built bulletproof armor to a long time ago, so I could just care less. Uh, but now they're hearing it. We as people, as we get older, come across friends or people that, you know, are going through things that we went through that we have to tackle again. And, and um, but it's sharing stories like yours, I think, are really, really important because I guarantee you made at least just one person feel a little less alone. And um, Well, these, these conversations do need to happen. Uh, and like I'm, I'm a huge advocate for normalizing mental health. Like we need to yep. be able to talk about that the same way that you would if you're like, you know what, I've got to run, take a break because I need my insulin. Surprise! It's the yep. same way when I'm like, oh shit, it's two o'clock. I need to go take my anti-anxiety meds so that I don't explode. No, yep. you know. And honestly, as we wrap up, I also I want to say thank you to all of our listeners who have just really, really supportive. And we've talked about a lot of things on this and we talk about a lot of uncomfortable things on this. And, um, we have some really, really amazing listeners who are really supportive and sensitive and respectful. Um, I don't know how (laughs) we all got together, but we're all here together. And I'm just like, you know, so if you're listening, Thank you also for helping create this space that, you know, Ben can even feel comfortable speaking in because um, we all got here together. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think, I hope I, I hope 
all of you listening know how important that is and how, honestly, how rare it is. But let's hope it's becoming a little less rare. Let's hope that's something that's changing as, as, as we all go on and as humans and our stories go on. Um, you know, this is stuff... We talk about representation in Star Wars a lot. Wouldn't it be amazing if we start dealing with some of this kind of stuff a little more surface level, you know, than, than, than just a shot of Leia? Super metatextual. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's you know? room for that, you know. It doesn't have to be a Lifetime movie, but like we, we've got space. There's a huge galaxy. Now there's so many different mm-hmm. platforms and ways that stories can come out. I really hope that yep. the Lucasfilm takes that opportunity to expand storytelling and just allow people with certain points of view and different visions and different life experiences come in and tell their story in a Star Wars flavored way. Because Star Wars is its own genre at this point, and you can mix it with anything. 100%. It can be a horror story. It can be a comedy. It can be a romantic story. Yep. It can be a big overarching space opera. It can be anything that you want it it to be. I will. I'm going to add to that because I can because it's my podcast. And I'm going to say don't make (laughs) it rated R because there is no room for rated R Star Wars. Not my book. Don't ever. I don't ever want to see it. (laughs) I know there are people out there that want it. No, I I would just say if this (laughs) if the story called for it. Then maybe there's a there's a case to be made for it, uh, but you know, like it doesn't have to be for just because you want to see people get beheaded. Uh, but you yeah. know, there may be I mean, storytellers who can do it. I'll say that now, and then fast forward three years, I'll be on a podcast going that rated R Star Wars movie is my favorite Star Wars I've ever yeah, seen when, because that's when we that's get just what when we get the Logan of Star Wars, and we're both here crying <laughs> about it because the R rated exactly. violent movie was also the most introspective of all of them. Then we'll have a different conversation. Exactly. And James Mangold is all in right. Star Wars, so like, God bless him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let's hope. Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. I think that was um, a really important conversation to have to close off our Pride Month. I'm really glad that's how this this worked out. Um, they probably would have regardless because this is this was good. This was not good like that, but good <laughs> is in a very important conversation that needed to be heard. So honestly, I I, I feel very honored that that you shared that with me. Um, and all two people that listen to the show. So, thank you. Oh, uh, thank you. Anytime. If you want to have a mental breakdown, just give me a call. I've, I've got <laughs> recommendations for all the good places. <sighs> all right. Well, where can people find you, my friend, and, and, and more importantly, listen to you? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Ben is the Worst. If you want to see just like lots of unhinged tweets at about two in the morning because I feel <laughs> very strongly about Ewoks or David Lynch or who knows what. Uh, that's where you'll find me. You can also hear me on the Katana Cast, which is usually bi-weekly. Sometimes it's weekly. Sometimes it's tri-weekly. It just depends on when I feel like editing because I'm lazy. If you're mm-hmm. an editor and you like working for free, hit me up because honestly, I'm awful. Uh, <laughs> and then if there's any other places that you'll hear me at, if uh, guest spots or anything like that, that'll be on my Twitter. Like I, I try not to be overly self-promotional, but like that information's out there. Well, I will tweet you. I will do all those things because I will promote you because I think you're amazing. And I think um, 
you're a voice that needs to be heard. So I really, again, I just want to say thank you for sharing this. I think, um, I think it, even if it's just one person, I think you just helped at least one person. And what more could you ask for, right? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. You know. All right. Well, goodbye to everyone listening right now. Um, well, not really goodbye because I'm going to say <laughs> follow us over here in a second. So, Ben, goodbye. I will see you sooner than later, I am sure. Thank you for coming and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's been a pleasure as always, even if it's not quite as lighthearted as our other outings. We didn't even get to argue about Ewoks this time. We'll do it next time. No. We'll get, yeah, more lighthearted stuff to come. More lighthearted stuff. We'll bring you on just for a Rise of Skywalker episode. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. All right. (laughs) Do it now. All right. Thank you. And... We're back. Like I said, that was just something else of a conversation. So, again, Ben, thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. Thank you for trusting me to hold the space to share that conversation. Um, In all honesty, it's been close to a week since we've had this conversation. Um, I needed to step away and and take in a lot of the stuff that I just heard. I feel that there was a shift in me as a person after this conversation. So I'm figuring out what that looks like and what that is. But I just, I really have to say thank you. That's it. Um, That's not it. There's a lot more, but thank you. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed these Pride Month episodes. And uh, as someone said in a review once before, we don't always talk about stars, but we shoot for the stars every time. So I really hope that you enjoyed these, even though there was a little lighter on the Star Wars. Um, You know, we're going to get back to Star Wars next week. Uh, We we got a lot to catch up with, Bad Batch and all that stuff, because Lord knows that show's been fire. So, without further ado, make sure to follow the show at Serving Pink Milk on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow uh, us on our live streams on YouTube at Pink Milk Podcast. And don't forget to head on over to the website if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, anything you want me to send Ben's way, especially after this episode, to Andy, to Luke, to B, to Chase, to Leo, to everyone we've had on for pride month if you have anything that you want to say to them or or questions that you want me to relate to all of them head on over to the website there's a link to our email there and uh, you can do that way otherwise i will see you on twitter i will see you on youtube i will see you in your podcatcher and until next time thank you very 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 much for everything we appreciate you and until next time drink up